Hi, welcome to Joy Score, offering tips and tools in health, mindfulness, and fitness. I am your host, Ellie Lund, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Cindy Gans. Cindy is an ACE certified personal trainer since 19. 19- at 1998. <laughs> After working five years as an independent trainer at Gold's Gym, she created Strength Resources, specializing in personal training, group corporate training, and kids training. Cindy provides individual program design, which can include strength and resistance training, cardiovascular, cardiovascular work, flexibility, and balance exercises. She offers fitness trainings on the beach and um, instructions in a group setting as well as Zoom. And they're really fun and really challenging. I know because I took one recently. Her philosophy is just to meet you where you're at and just help you find balance in your life. Welcome, Cindy. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm totally honored to be part of Joy Score. And- I am so intrigued by your work. And I was curious about like the type of workout you do. And if you could tell me a little bit about why is it so effective? I took a class and I, I kid you not, I, I was so motivated by it the next day that I did it again by myself <laughs> as best awesome. as I could. Of course, I didn't do the five rounds. I did three. But... Uh- <laughs> I felt super sore. So can you tell me a little bit about your workout, what it does, and what's the impact on the body? Okay. So the class that you took combines strength and resistance training coupled with HIIT. So I'll go in resistance training, kind of you're using more just your body weight, either with gravity bands, weighted bars, or dumbbells. Strength training usually involves heavier weight, and HIT is called high-intensity interval training. So I kind of, because it's a combination of the three, I like to call that class that you took uh, my HIT-ish class, <laughs> so to speak, right? And um, what it does is, and I can explain the class maybe a little bit later when we talk about the exercises, but um, it really elevates your endurance and it makes you stronger at the same time by combining all of those three. Uh Um, So what that particular class did is, um, and and even if I'm doing private training, like for my private clients, I kind of usually working around goals or their injuries, I create their own program design. But this particular, your HIT-ish class um, follows a pretty, I kind of made it pretty strict in what we do. We just kind of interchange some of the exercises that we do. Um, It usually starts off, as you know, with like a two to three minute warm up. And I mix it up every week, what the exercises will be. And, you know, we do five different exercises, each for about 50 seconds, thereabouts. I do have a timer to keep me real. And we do five sets of those. Um, After which we then do three to four sets of abs. And then we do a cool down 
Mm-hmm. And just to just to kind of like piggyback on what you're saying, the exercises were pretty doable for me. I haven't been working out like this intensively in a while, just do yoga, asanas and a walk for about 40 minutes. So um, I was happy to to see that. Um, the exercises were something that I could do, like lifting the bar weights um, and just like um, reaching my arms out and, and reaching up over my head and maybe doing some tur- um, turns from my waist. But it wasn't until like the second and third <laughs> set, um, three. Set, yeah. set three that I was yep. like, oh my gosh, my heart feels like it's in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's where the hit part of that program comes in. So like when you're doing a hit program, you're pushing yourself to the max, hopefully during each set. And that's why they're short. Like a typical hit workout may only have each exercise for just 20 seconds. We push it a little bit because we may not be going as fast. And I'm also kind of taking some liberties that maybe not every single person in there is pushing to the max, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to get the maximum benefits. So how do we get the maximum benefits? We go a little longer. And then by adding the strength training, which is really where my strongest background is, you really get a lot more, you know, weight training in there, which I feel we can talk about a little later even, which is so important. And, you know, as a woman, especially for women, um, and that way we're able to really get that benefit. And I try to make them be uh, exercises that everyone can do. So then it's really up to you of how far do you want to take this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So can you tell us a little bit so our listeners understand what does it mean to like push yourself to the limit? Like, does it mean to go faster? Like, tell me a little bit of what that looks like for your clients. So let's say, for example, a perfect example would be push-ups because everyone either does them or doesn't know how to do them, but they, they know what a push-up is. So for example, during that 50 second period, I will give people an option of to do a regular push-up at their own pace. And as you know, Ellie, I kept saying, go at your own pace, even though I clearly wasn't probably going at everyone's pace, but I want to give them an idea of what a pace could be, which is usually to the music, which we could talk about later too. But, um, So you can, if you're going to, for 50 seconds, continually do a push-up, again, at your own pace, you're probably pushing yourself to your max. If your max is that you need to take a break and stay in a plank position, a plank, let's say, just not doing your movement, just holding your arms up nice and straight below your shoulders with your legs out, squeezing your entire body so that you're still working, Um, Some people, I think when you were there, I showed you how to do a push-up using your knees and pushing off against the floor so that you're still getting the same benefits of the push-up, maybe without all of the rigor. So pushing yourself to the max would be doing any one of those options continually, not breaking at all for 50 seconds. 
So is the continuous practice without the break something that really works just with your breathing? And, you know, what is it so important about having that continuous practice? Like, tell me a little bit about, because I noticed that we go for a certain amount of time and then we take a little break and then a certain amount of time. I mean, does that have something to do with like the cardiovascular system or like, how does that work? Yeah. So the reason that we do break a little bit, quite frankly, if it was up to me, we would start and not break at all. Um, I had found that it really is such an individual thing. Yes, our body does do better when we kind of let that heart rate go down, not all the way so that we're starting. If you think of your heart rate, when you're doing this hit-ish class, if I like to get you at like an eight, for example, just to oversimplify, then during your, let's say, 20 to 30 second break, you maybe come down to like a five or a six, so that when you're starting to do your next set of exercises, you're not starting mm-hmm. from one. Yeah, again. totally. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And it makes sense why I was sweating as well. <laughs> and that way, it's right. And, you know, it, it's funny because years ago, now I don't run. But I was a runner, and I when the first time I ran a half marathon, I ran at my absolute fastest, and I did hit the wall. And while I had a good time, it was not a good experience. And I was like, if I'm going to run a full marathon, which I went on to run other marathons, like full marathons, I said, there has to be a better way. And there actually is this great book, I'm sure it's still out there, by Jeff Galloway about running marathons. And that is actually was his philosophy is that how do you run and never hit the wall? It's the same thing with these workouts that you run to it for, let's say eight minutes with us. We're just doing it for one minute because our exercise that we're doing is hard driving. And if you notice the music is at a certain beat to kind of keep us in that certain zone to keep our heart rate at a certain spot, which is really individual for everyone, how, how high their heart rate gets. But then the idea is that in between exercises, you bring it down a little bit so you can reset kind of like in Jeff Galloway's book, when you run for eight minutes, then you slow down for one minute you're letting your heart rate go down so that you never hit the wall. In our class, we let the heart rate go down so that then you have the energy to go on to the right. next Right. That's exercise. so interesting you said that because in my mind, I am looking forward to the break. <laughs> so I know that I... Right. Yeah. You're probably so not I alone. I know that I have to keep going. And then when I get that break, I can relax and then start over. Because in my mind, I think as an, like someone who's starting to do this kind of work again, I'm thinking oh my gosh, this is too hard. And my mind can go into a place where it's like, this is too hard. I can't do this. I'm going to quit. Right. But because I know that there's going to be a break, then it's like, okay, I can do this for this amount of time, relax, breathe in and start over. Like it's mental, right? (laughs) I know. And that's why I call, if you remember that uh, I'll say, you know, 25 seconds, I want to give everyone an opportunity and a little secret, right? It's just the two of us talking right now, right? <laughs> so is that um, when I'm saying 
don't stop. You only have 10 more seconds. Believe me, I'm talking to me also. So I'm doing for, so that everyone understands that I'm doing this workout also. And I do find that for me personally, when I don't do the workout and I'm just kind of barking out orders, I find I'm really not as empathetic and um, I feel that it kind of keeps me real and that I understand what people are going through, going through the exercises in this class. So when I do say 10 seconds, stay there. Trust me, I'm talking right. to myself. Yeah, as well I, as it's you interesting. guys. I used to actually be a tra- not a trainer, but an instructor way back when, when aerobics aerobics instruction oh, so you know. was like yes. you know, high intensity. Remember those days in the 80s? So yes, of it's course. So interesting yes. because I've seen it, you know, through change through time where some instructors are, are just giving directions and not actually doing the workout. And I, as a, as a participant, I'm actually looking at the modeling that's happening. Like, right. I, well, exactly. I, mean, I can listen to the audio exactly. cues and everything too. But when I see someone modeling the exercise for me, in my mind, I'm thinking, if she can do it, I can do it. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what right. she's doing. And then when she stops, I'll stop. So it's so, it's such an integrated process between the mind and the body. When you go into that space. Absolutely. Yes, yes, definitely. And that's the reason that I kind of feel that for me, and I'm only talking about for me, that like I have to do the exercises because I don't want anyone getting any bad habits and you know I'm strict with myself and hopefully um you know I mean trust me I'm always telling myself keep that back straight so when I'm screaming flat back at tight abs I, again I'm talking to me and that cue helps me so that it helps everyone else mm-hmm. taking the class yeah so yeah. I have a question because I've noticed you know yes after menopause all, my entire my entire yes. body uh, composition changed, so I'm pretty like I would say somewhat slim and was mostly toned in my early years, but after hitting menopause, something completely changed. I didn't feel like I was getting more sedentary, but maybe I have. And I'm curious about what is going on with our muscle mass. Why does it look more flabby? And what kind of exercises can we do to counter that? Okay. So the first thing that we need to get clear is that we should all look like (laughs) Ellie Lund. She looks amazing. I just saw her on Sunday. So I know that, but I do understand that it's really how we feel now versus how do we feel five years ago? And with women, and I almost, I, I really do agree with you. Like, I feel like, especially with fit women, that sometimes we're harder on ourselves because we put so much time and energy into making our bodies work hard and feel good and that whole mind body connection. Um, but what happens, and with women, unfortunately, it happens before men. There, it's called sarcopenia, and that is, and it's with natural aging, it's the reduction of muscle mass, okay? Now, it can start as early as in your 40s, sometimes menopause does it. I mean, I notice a difference in my body also that I definitely was a lot more buff 
doing the same weight training exercises. Um, and some people really can put it off, I mean, up through your 70s. But I, I will tell you, the primary treatment for sarcopenia, which is a reduction of muscle mass, is exercise. And specifically, that treatment is, uh, the, is strength training and, and uh, resistance training. And that's like, I'm not just saying that because I'm a trainer. I'm just saying it because, you know, the lifting of the weights, which is a whole other thing, is probably as important as you can get, which is actually another reason that I will not do a, a hit-ish class. For the most part, there's usually some kind of weight involved in the class because the weight training is so mm. important. Does it affect the bones at any, I mean, I've heard it for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. Okay, so I'm not a doctor, but in layman's terms, um, if you take our bone density, which women start to lose approximately at around 40, bone density is directly related to muscle mm. density. Directly, 100%. What is the primary treatment to delay lessening of muscle mass? Lifting mm -hmm. weights. So I don't get why every single woman on the planet over 40 isn't lifting some kind of weights. It doesn't mean you have to be a bodybuilder. And there is this, I actually could do a whole other podcast about misconceptions about weight training specifically for women. Um, and, and no one's going to look like a bodybuilder because most bodybuilders are have to go through great pains and some illegal substances to look like bodybuilders. So when people say, oh, I'm lifting weights, I know I get really big. It's like, no, nah, you probably get big because you're eating. You're not getting big because you're lifting mm -hmm. weights. Totally. If that makes sense. And so can you illustrate for us what type of weights are you talking about? Like in class, we use two pound weights and three pound weights. And then, because I noticed I had done some training earlier or a couple of years ago. And even though I was getting fitter and, and that whole thing and cut up or whatever, I just felt like my back was killing me every time I worked out. I just, and for days and it was, I, I had to decide, do I want back pain or do I want to be really fit? <laughs> so can you tell yeah, us, illustrate okay. us for us what the weight training would look like or how many weights or whatever? So so the whole thing with weight training, whether you're using two pounds or 20 pounds or 25 pounds or wherever you are, is your posture. So whether, and even, even if you're just doing a body weight exercise, which is, again, just taking it back to that HIIT class, if you notice set one is slower and I show you exactly what your form should look like during the exercise. And then when we start set two through five, we just go straight through. So it's like, pay attention during set one, right? Um, because the truth is that all of these exercises only work if your form is right. And I'm not saying that your form wasn't right, but if you were having back issues, there's a good possibility that you might not have been using the right form, or maybe you were jumping up in weight too mm. high. And, 
And in, in my head, I, and in our class, uh, Sunday's class was a lightweight class. There are days that we use heavier weights. Um, I, I usually don't have anyone or I don't bring anything heavier than like 15 pounds. And that's because it, for that class setting, when you're doing something for 50 seconds, you know, you want to, most people and you're outdoors, you know, it, it just is a little more logical to keep it at 15. But if you were just doing a regular, more of a weight lifting routine, you would be building up. You're not going to start off with 25 pound weights. You know, you may be starting off, for example, let's say doing, we'll just use a, a bench press, right? Or, or a dumbbell press. And if you're lying flat on a bench and you start off with 10 pounds, and this is exclusively for if you're doing weightlifting, after a while, that same workout is not going to work for you because your body has such strong muscle memory that it gets used to it. So in order to get the same results, you might go up to 12 pounds, right? And then you would go up to 15 pounds. So provided that your form is right, because posture is everything, and I, I say that often, it would kind of naturally happen that you would naturally, wherever you start at, if you're concentrating on weights, you probably will naturally for a certain amount of time start to go up in the weights that you're using. Okay, that makes sense. So I'm going to do a gradual increase of my weight, maybe starting with three pounds, yeah. five probably 10 for yeah, me and yeah. um, do it slowly as I keep working out. Can you uh, yes. um, tell us a little bit about resistance training and how it differs from um, the weight lifting kind of training? What does resistance training even mean? So that's when you literally are moving your limbs against resistance, either using your body weight or gravity, or bands, or light dumbbells. So let's say, for example, let's just go to the push-up since that's a body weight exercise. For you to be in a push-up and slowly, slowly bring your body down without just plopping down and pushing up, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So you're slowly, you're going against mm -hmm. gravity, as you're bringing your mm -hmm. body down, that would be like a perfect example of a resistance or even like a negative training. So it's kind of like you're going against where gravity is. If you're doing squats, especially with resistance training, you know, you don't have heavy weight, so they don't dictate the direction mm -hmm. you're going in. So if you're doing a squat in order for you to go down into your squat nice and slowly, you have to create your own resistance. Otherwise, you're just going to kind of bop up and down and you're going to be like, yeah, this, this doesn't even work. Which I hear people, I've heard people say, yeah, that doesn't work. But the truth is getting back to when you learn how to do an exercise properly and then your form is right and then your posture is right. It, you know, this is a science. I mean, it's not brain It's not brain surgery, but it really exercise is a science. And there are reasons that if you slowly bring your body down into a squat and then extend it up, that it will, you know, you're going to create resistance. You're going to create a muscle tension. Hmm. Okay. 
the strength training is really the biggest difference is that that usually includes heavier weights. And again, I'm kind of like oversimplifying mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And with the squat, I always use the image of sitting down on a chair. So I'm going to I'm going to try to exactly. sit down on Perfect. a chair and yes. then get myself back up, right? And maybe extend my hands yes. forward as I'm sitting down. So, um, okay. So I noticed in class that, um, you know, way, way back in the days when I would do ab work, I did a lot of sit-ups and kind of like Pilates-style exercises, but you really focus a lot on planks. So can you talk about the power of planks in terms of ab, ab workouts? Okay, so planks are great. It just so happened that that day our abs were all planks. I don't always do it, but but I do. I am a fan of planks. And one thing that I really like about planks is it has actually become the default for everyone, whether they're doing push-ups or we're doing fancy planks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like, yeah, planks are the new black for whatever, whatever that is. It just really is. Everyone knows how to do a plank when done, of course, correctly. But the plank strengthens your spine, your rhomboids, your trapezius muscles. If we had a picture of the human body, I could show you. And your abdominal muscles. And doing the plank correctly actually results in a stronger posture. Mm. So again, provided that form is correct and posture is everything, you keep your bones aligned when you're doing your planks. So what I really like about planks is everyone can learn how to do them. It's, you don't need any equipment because right now it's almost impossible to buy equipment, whether in a store or online. And that's why I bring equipment for people, which just so everyone knows, then it goes in a separate bag and it gets cleaned and all that. We're, we're totally, you know, we're safe here, uh, strength resources. But um, again, planks are really effective because you can just use your body weight to do them. And they, they do work. But if I had to say, what is the best exercise for abs? And it's funny, I would, I would have to say, and, and again, there's this whole thing about uh, abs start in the kitchen. I don't even know if you've ever no. heard that. <laughs> so they say that abs start in the kitchen because so much of it, it, does, it has nothing to do with the strength of your abs, but the aesthetic look of your abs. Um, you know, you could do like five hours of planks a day. And then if you're going to, you know, Krispy Kreme, you know, your food consumption, you're, you're not going to have a six pack. Right. So I would say that, you know, a class like the Sunday class that you did, um, I like to even think of that as like a jump start because these are push and recover sessions that have been proven to be a little more effective than traditional cardio or just only doing core training to get rid of abdominal body fat. So it's that mixture again. I mean, I know I keep stressing it of that, the cardio from a hit, right? High interval intensity training coupled with weight training and resistance training. And, you know, you probably, I think you'd see a big difference if you did it two to three days a week, 
even if you do them on your own, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I think back at it and I, I just don't move as fast as I used to. <laughs> and so I'm right. like, well, the more you do it, the more you do it. And this is no lie. I'm not saying the classes get easier, but the more you do it, your endurance will skyrocket in a matter of weeks. And I've seen that. I have some private clients that are in their 70s who are, you would never know. I mean, they're pretty badass. Um, But I have watched their endurance once I brought them into that type of training, which happened post-COVID. And I've seen their endurance really skyrocket after not working out for a couple of months due to Mm. COVID. So uh, it it really, you know, that was new for me. So I, I'm now, I'm a believer. I mean, I'm a hit ish believer. Totally. (laughs) And I think about like, well, you mentioned, you know, clients have lived longer and I think about like the coordination that this practice brings in our body, the coordination and also like, the left to right hemisphere, the stuff that goes on in your brain between your left and right hemisphere, as you have to think about these movements and go from left to right or forward to back. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Well, and I have always been a fan of the brain exercise, which I've, I've gotten some, you know, fun grief for. They're like, wait, isn't it hard enough just to do a lunge and a squat? You're telling me opposite leg, opposite arm. And there's a couple of reasons that I like to do that. Number one, um, it mixes it up so that when you are doing your exercise, you're actually having to think about what you're doing. So you are exercising your brain. And then the beauty of that is you don't even realize all of a sudden now you've been doing this for 40 right. seconds and, is, and your yes, time's almost That's up. my favorite part. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so right. I can get to the next set and uh, right exactly and also the sweating that's that so takes funny. place and you're burning calories and you know oh yeah it's it's beautiful it's amazing I really <laughs> appreciate the um, idea of being in a group setting now that we're in COVID because our our yes. gyms are gone and you know if you're really into working out that gym is something it's like a lifeline you know, where you can process yes, your life absolutely. And, you know, forget about all your worries for an hour while you're doing the treadmill or, you know, lifting weights or whatever. But um, <clears throat> I finished a class today and I was just hearing the teacher's voice, the instructor's voice and everyone's like on Zoom, you know, and in hearing someone say hello. Yes. Yes. That personal connection and sense of meaning is such an important part of keeping your workout alive, like keeping it going. Yes, so my, I totally, I, I totally agree. I still do Zoom classes now, um, and I actually, it's amazing that like I, I would never have thought this before. But you, even the 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 short chat before and after your class, you actually can develop friendships with people that we never would have thought that that was even possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of what keeps us, you know, at the gym. That's what would keep people going to the gym. Even if they didn't know people in the class, they'd be like, oh, yeah, the girl that always wears that cute blue shirt might be wearing her blue (laughs) shirt today. You know, I mean, 
I, I mean, I will tell you that at the, the, when I first moved out here from New York, I worked out at the Marina Athletic Club. And for years, people did not know my name. They just called me <laughs> New York. And I would walk into the gym and they're like, oh, New York's here. So I think to this day when I, if I would see them, they would have no idea what my name was. But it's like you kind of get into that world. And that's part of what was fun about being at a gym. Like you're all in this together and you're all like, oh, no, we're here. Let's do something. Right. Well, and also like they become essentially an accountability partner. So having an accountability partner is so important while you're working out. And it's so fun. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you mentioned that, you know, after COVID, you've had to pivot with your Zoom. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I I will say that. Like, so I went from private training in my studio, right, where most of my one-on-one clients are. Then I would do an outdoor class on Sundays, like the one you took. And then I do an after-school program that I have been doing for years at Naples Elementary School in Long Beach and corporate training in a business park setting, right? And then around, what was it, like March 17th, I did absolutely nothing. Like everything stopped. You couldn't be outside and all that. And as you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a little shy with technology. I mean, we've had a couple of emails just to get this going, <laughs> right? Um, and I, so I had to learn how to use my laptop. And when I say my laptop, I mean my daughter's old laptop that she wouldn't even take <laughs> to college with her. So I, and my husband was like very proud of me because I pretty much after a couple of failed attempts figured out how to use Zoom and even though I couldn't do my private classes, so my private clients, because, you know, I was obviously we weren't training. But by April 6th, I had created about six or seven Zoom classes, which included two weekly Zoom classes, two corporate Zoom classes. I did for all of the kids that took my Strength for Kids class. This is really because I felt so bad for the parents. I had this free class for all the kids that had, it's really for the parents that had supported me wow. over the years. So they had an opportunity to do the class. It was just once a week. And I even said to the parents, oh, you could work out yeah. with your kids. Okay, not one parent ever. They were probably like, get out of here. I need an <laughs> hour. Stay. So I would turn on Zoom. They were already on there. So yeah. Um, And I even have, I actually still do have a furlough class, a furlough free Zoom class. Well, it's not necessarily free, but people that lost their jobs back then. um, I did a, I did a Thursday morning class and anyone that lost their jobs, I was like, I don't want you to not work out. You can't go to the gym. So I still do the class. And if someone, you know, whatever, like if you know someone that is like down and out, you can give me their info and I don't want them not working out because they can't go to a gym and they can't afford to work out. But um, yeah. And so then once we were able to go back into the gym, which now we're back out of the gym, the amount of cleaning that had to be done in between clients, which don't get me wrong. I'm happy to do it. 
it just was a lot more work and maybe we've all learned something. We need to all be a little more hygienic. I mean, I used to pride myself on how clean my gym was. Now I'm like, you know, but, um, when I train people, I am wearing a mask. They are not wearing a mask. And we, you know, unless they wanted to, and even you saw in the Sunday class, I get there early. I map out, I have my cones. So everyone is at least six feet apart. And I'm about eight to 10 feet because I'm barking out orders. Um, I just want to be sure that everyone, yeah. you know, we're, we're just doing whatever we need to do. And um, so now, because we're still not indoor training, I have a very small area that my private clients can train. But of course, thankfully, we're outdoors on the Sunday class and my kids' classes are going to start up. And I feel like soon we'll be back yeah, inside. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, Cynthia, yeah. just to close up, tell me a little bit about how you witness exercising bringing joy to your clients and people, you know. Okay. Ah, my favorite. This is like the easiest part. And just seeing the name of, you know, it's just for joy score. It's just great because fitness to me, I mean, even my clients like make fun of me, like you just love this too much. Um, and I'm just so fortunate that that is, has always been since I was a little girl, my initial self-care has always been exercise and music and hey, music releases endorphins also. Um, and talking a little bit about endorphins that, so when you exercise, your body releases the chemicals that are endorphins. And endorphins re not only reduce your perception of pain, but endorphins trigger a positive feeling in the body. And, you know, in my opinion, I'm like, okay, like you needed one more reason to work out. Like, so, um, I look at that as this circle of joy between your mind and your mm -hmm. body. And if you look at like a clock, for example, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of like a visual learner also. So I think if you think of like a clock in the, and not a digital clock, but a real clock like that, we learn how to tell time <laughs> on. And if you look at 12 o'clock as your, exercise right and then between 12 and three o'clock are where the endorphins yeah. get released and three o'clock is uh, your mind yeah. joy right so then six o'clock becomes your workout because these endorphins mm -hmm. have been released right that's your actual workout and then the workout brings you strength mm -hmm. and confidence which it naturally does. And there goes, now you're at nine o'clock and that brings oh, your body yeah. joy, right? That then brings your positive feeling and your reinforcement so that you continue this circle and you go back wow, to exercise. Such a great way to bring all of this to uh, a close and just a wonderful visual to leave our listeners with. And um, I just wanted to um, talk a little bit before you leave. Tell us how anyone can reach you if they're interested about your website and some contact information. Yes. Well, first of all, I am on Facebook and Instagram, Strength by the Beach. 
right? Strength by the beach. Um, I do post things. I know I need to be better. If only I were a middle <laughs> schooler, I'd be posting uh, five times a day. So I, I, and I, my website is strengthbythebeach.com. So strengthbythebeach, strengthbythebeach.com. Um, I'm going to say on Instagram, which I now I've actually learned how to connect it to Facebook. I try to do an exercise that will be in either my zoom classes and I do these corporate zoom classes also, um, or so that either the corporate zoom classes, my Thursday furlough class or my outdoor class that they can kind of get a sneak peek of an exercise that we will be doing that week. So, you know, yeah, hop on, check me out there. And, um, and thank you so much for that compliment. When you said to me that it inspired you to work out the very next day, doing a similar workout. I mean, that's exactly what my Mm. goal is. So like you really, that totally touched me. And I, Thank you so much, really. Well, it was uh, a pleasure, Cindy. Um, For everyone who's listening, this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. We really appreciate the listen. If you haven't done so yet, please rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate to hear from you. And we will continue to offer practices and insights to nurture your joy for your personal journey. Thank you. Goodbye.